Email todayradio at rte.ie. Now, just as things were starting to feel slightly more normal with people moving freely around the country and mere weeks before schools are due to reopen, we appear to be experiencing a setback. The European Centre for Disease Control has listed Ireland as one of the countries which should consider reinstating restrictions to tackle the resurgence in cases of COVID-19. I'm joined on the line now by Dr Joseph Jansa, who is Group Leader Response and Emergency Operations at the ECDC. And thank you very much for joining me, Dr answered this morning. Um, can I ask you firstly about this uh, recommendation from the European Centre for Disease Control? Uh, you have listed, as I say, Ireland is one of the countries that should consider reinstating restrictions um, to tackle COVID-19. What factors that are going on in Ireland at the moment brought about that recommendation? Well, in principle, ECDC directly doesn't state recommendations to any EU member state. So what we generally say is that if the situation is changing in the increase of number of cases is happening in one place or another, then some of the measures have to be considered. But uh, we don't directly go and stating these kind of recommendations to any member state. That's not part of our mandate. From Ireland's perspective, what should we be considering then in terms of reintroducing restrictions given we have had a resurgence of the virus in certain areas of the country? Here also, more than restrictions, what is very important for member states, and I'm aware that Ireland and the public health authorities know that very well, is to implement the contract tracing, where the cases have been detected, where are the chains of transmission, following those that have been infected, following the transmission chain, and then being uh, applying very partial measures. So uh, at the current stage of the pandemic, not overall measures have to be implemented like uh, uh, closing homes or being being at home and things like that overall, Mm. but very, very selective measures in order for that to be followed properly and to try to tackle that in the proper way. I know that there has been a resurgence in other countries as well, France, Spain, Germany, different places around Europe. um, And the ECDC has been looking at the data to see why this is happening. Um, What are the most common reasons for those for those uh, resurgences around the country or around the around Europe rather? Yeah, some of those that have been identified is the relax relaxation of of, and some of the non-medical measures like uh, physical distancing, like uh, hygiene, respiratory hygiene mainly. I think this is another important point. Many times uh, we see all over that cleaning surfaces and that is insisted and insisted, but more important than that is the respiratory hygiene, protecting yourself with your elbow when coughing, trying to avoid direct respiration in, fr- in, in front of the other one, and once in outdoors activities, those has been considered not so much needed by or understood by the general population that there was a, let's say, a safe space mm. that definitely has contributed to the resurgence of cases in some countries. So outdoor is not a safe space? Not necessarily. Uh, if if uh, proper measures are taken, so let's say 
you are in an outdoor terrace having a drink with some colleagues, but you are very close to the other one and you cough. If that person is not with a necessarily distance of, let's say, two meters like that, and you cough in front of that person, then the risk is higher that if you do that in an inside, if you don't do that in an inside place. So this combination of the distance and the protection of the respiratory uh, droplets and uh, coughing, this is essential. And of course, outdoors, that can happen. Another important issue that can be make a difference between outdoors and, indoor, and indoors is if outdoors, of course, there is a proper circulation of the air and the wind and that, that is safer. So that's why indoors we recommend, and it's, value, it's recommended everywhere, proper ventilation. Okay. And you mentioned, obviously, testing and tracing um, being very important in all of this. Um, how quickly should testing and tracing be done from the point of the test to the point of the contact tracing and being finished? H- how long should that take for, for it to be effective? I mean, it has to be immediately when a case has been detected. So let's say if you are a contact of a case so and you know notice that today so today you need to go to the healthcare center and ask for being tested so the sooner the best for the pcr in terms of the antibodies that's another story because the antibodies take some time to be detected and then one week at the minimum is the time that uh, you will be tested in case you have no symptoms and you want to know if you have been go- if you have gone through the disease Mm. then um, a minimum time of one week is needed for the antibodies. So as you know, there are the two kinds of testing. Testing uh, if you are currently infected, that is the PCR, and if you have gone through the disease, that is the serology, and that is later on. Um, and in terms of the tracing then, how quickly should that be finished from the time that you are, you are tested to the time of the, your, all your contacts being traced? So... It, it the contact tracing has to be done. I sorry has to be done the fastest way possible. So if let's say in a working environment there is one worker that has been tested positive, the contact tracer teams, the epidemiologists, those that are doing the, the tracing, they have to be there the same day. They have to start identifying the the contacts, interviewing them and taking the measures accordingly, but in the fastest possible way. Um, uh, Can I ask you then again about our incidence rate here? As I said, at the moment, it is 18.5 per 100,000 over uh, 14 days. Um, I don't know, would you know, Joseph, how that compares with other European countries? We know that it's higher than the UK, but where does that put us in Europe? So we have also different figures in Europe, but again, this can be sometimes a little bit tricky to interpret and understand because as you know, for example, Luxembourg is one of the countries that has shown very high incident rates. But the reason for that is that they're doing massive testing to even including asymptomatic population. Then that means that considering that this disease is also uh, asymptomatic in many cases, then you can detect very high rates while there is not an issue in the country in terms of who is sick and how the, the dynamic of the epidemic is going. So then the, the figures are quite variable. Some countries are over 30 per 100,000. 
Other are going to 50 per 100,000. But again, these changes week by week and, mm -hmm. and overnight for overnight. So more than that, and in, in surveillance and, in and epidemiology, is looking at the trend. Is the trend consistently increasing? Is in a plateau? Is declining more than a particular figure at a given time? That, that gives you just a picture of what happens in that moment, but not the real situation of the dynamic of the epidemic in one country. All right. Um, as you know, I think we, we have a local lockdown here at the moment in, in three counties because there were outbreaks in meat plants. Um, the schools are due to reopen here in a couple of weeks' time in around the end of August. Um, do you think it is uh, possible or advisable for schools to reopen when part of a country is in uh, has had a resurgence of the virus? Yes, and as you mentioned, we have recently published a document on, on the role of children and school settings in the COVID-19 transmission and the evidence that has been gathered so far in different countries is that schools are not a main driver of the pandemic. They don't play a particular role on that. And it is important for children and for the normal functioning of the society that schools open in due time. And in terms of how they open then and the restrictions that should be in place um, when people are attending school, um, what is your advice on masks? Should pupils and teachers be wearing masks? Well, this is also, as, as you point out, a quite uh, not controversial, but a point that is still under quite a debate. For children, I, we in ECDC don't recommend the use of masks in schools or so in, in primary schools, considering the, the low transmission rate that has been identified so far in small children between children and from children to adults and from adults to children. My advice or our advice in the CDC would be not to use them in preschools in pre or in the primary schools. In terms of secondary schools, uh, this is something to consider in every, in every country. And I think this has to be interpreted very cautiously because of uh, masks are, is a measure that is causing also some impact in terms of the psychology, in terms of the communication, and has to be taken carefully. So you're not necessarily saying they should be warned then and it needs further consideration? No, I think, uh, we think, so sorry, because sometimes I say myself <laughs> and it's, it's, it's the team in ECDC that is following the measures and the advice. So definitely in, in primary schools, it's more distancing, it's more respiratory etiquette. I insist very much on that because even though that has been stated many times here and there, I think this is the most important message that teachers and educational settings and public health officials and the society has to convey. Be, follow the respiratory etiquette, protect yourself when coughing, and try not to have the droplets and to, to breath in face of the other one. Okay. And this is more important even though, even that the use of masks. Does the ECDC have a, have a position on visors? Sorry, can you repeat that? Sorry, do you have a position on visors, you know, the face coverings that are, aren't like masks? No, we, we have produced also one, one document 
saying what is the added value for that. So we put that in the same term. So if it's possible to be used for those that are in a very frequent contact with others and in, in of course, in some healthcare settings and that, then that's, that's fine. But not for the general population in the street not for places or settings like schools. If there is an outbreak in a school, should it close immediately? No, because of in principle, so when the outbreak is known, uh, when that is detected, it would be too late to avoid the transmission. And uh, as a continuation of what I said at the very beginning, at that stage of the pandemic, seven months later, we need to be select selective. So if there is one case or there is one outbreak in some place, we need to target that place. Of course, that will depend also on the characteristics, the physical characteristics of the school, because that has a high variety within the Europe and within the countries, and that has to be considered. by. Our advice is that if there is an outbreak in school, insist in the contact tracing, put the non-physical, uh, sorry again, the non-medical measures, uh, physical distancing, maybe in that case, try to increase the protection in terms of respiratory etiquette, okay. but not necessarily closing the school, no. Um, just in relation to travel then, Joseph, uh, we it appears that we're going to be implementing a red list here whereby travellers from certain countries won't be allowed to come here unless they're here for essential uh, purposes. Non-essential travel won't be allowed. Um, is, is that a, a smart or advisable thing to do? Do you think that works in terms of suppressing the virus? We have also said many times in different environments, in, in the Commission and with member states and with uh, other levels, that the, the virus, they don't uh, follow the borders. So, I mean, of course, in that situation, mobility to be, to be restricted at all levels is a positive fact to avoid the transmission here and there. But if they're, I mean, uh, de decreasing the number of travels all over Europe and all over the world, that will not be the main driver to contain this pandemic. And just finally and very briefly, if, if you don't mind, does random testing at airports, does that work? This is a, a measure that makes sense, uh, having those testing sometimes. But again, it has to be, I mean, more than that is, I think, the approach that is done, for example, by some countries that you are being tested when landing in the in the country. So doing particular testing, which makes sense, for example, in very small countries. Others like these are not testing. We it's not so sure. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me this morning. That's Dr. Joseph Jansa, Group Leader of Response and Emergency Operations at the ECDC. Today with Sarah McInerney on RTE Radio 1.